Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. I'm Pat Nevin. This is Ali Riley. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and you're listening to the London Is Blue podcast. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast. Your home for all things Chelsea FC. Dan, Mike, Nick, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back. This is, again, part two of a special we did with Joe Tweeds and Sebastian Chapuis. If you haven't listened to the first one yet, go back on that feed, hit it up. But if you already have, let's jump right in. All right, well, I think that's a good transition point for us now to talk about a little game we're playing this preseason, uh, just uh, three up, three down. So we kind of fill in a a list here in our Google Doc and select the three players that impress us the most after watching the most recent match. Talk about the three players that maybe are struggling or going to you know, not necessarily find themselves in the favor of Frank and Jody and everyone else because they're just maybe not impressing as much. So, uh, Nick, I'm going to throw it to you first. And I'm going to let you take the honors of getting a chance to Share with us your three, and then we can kind of compare and contrast across the uh, the rest of the group here and see where we line up and where we're maybe there, there's some disagreement. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought Mason was outstanding yesterday, uh, and I had some, you know, serious doubts whether he could, you know, make the jump from the championship up to a top-tier Premier League side. Uh, I know it's St. Patrick's. I know the level of competition yesterday was... Uh, probably more of a League One and or lower side. So, like, you know, I, I'm taking all that into account. 
but I thought he was fantastic. His movement was great. His effort was great. Set pieces were great. Um, you know, I think you're you're starting to see a guy uh, without Ruben Loftus Cheek for most of the season who could really step up, and uh, you know, he will face much bigger obstacles than the what he faced today. But thought he was wonderful. Um, next one on my list is Louise. I think. He is poised for a big season. Uh, I love his leadership. I, I know that he makes the occasional mistake, but uh, I really I, I think he's due for a big season. I think he's being overlooked right now uh, with Rudiger and Zuma and Christensen and Tamori and all these guys. I think he's he's still a locked in starter for me um, and, and a guy that you know really impressed me. And then Giroux with a brace. I mean, for for all the talk, and I'm I'm really impressed with what I saw from. From Tammy and Batshuayi um, in the first half in terms of movement and almost having the ability to score. Um, Giroux ended up getting a brace and uh, looked looked every bit as serious uh, about playing for Chelsea as he did in the Europa League final. So uh, those are my three. I know there, there are a lot of notable uh, characters here, Dan, but um, but I'm pretty confident in, uh, in Giroux's ability. Yeah, so we'll go to, to Joe because his list is absolutely opposite off of yours and, <laughs> and wrong. <laughs> would be the best would be the best way to contrast it and yeah I, I think that's a it's a good i don't know if it's wrong mike i think that's unfair <laughs> like we, you know this is this is completely a subjective exercise yeah so i've gone with uh batsman uh gilmore and tamori um i think probably batch is the one to focus on because I've, I've been impressive gilmore and tamori but i think he's he's showing signs now of, of, of someone who wants to sort of be the number one striker and I certainly sort of take the point I think I think Giroud was exceptional um in the second half yes and I think he looks he looks again like probably the person that will start against Manchester United but Batshuayi in terms of his sort of work rate his desire I kind of I kind of like the greediness that he has in front of goal you know I think last last season having people or having someone I should say that's willing to just shoot on site you know in the penalty area is a massive upgrade to kind of what we saw with, you know, um, what's his name, Higuarin. Um, and I think Giroud at times was more of kind of a, a foil for Eden Hazard than a, a kind of a leading number nine. So it would be nice to see someone with, with that mentality playing up front. I, I think Batshuayi, if he if he starts the majority of games, I think he'll he'll get over 20 goals in all competitions for Chelsea next season. Um, just think that, that this, is, this is kind of the moment. He seems to have matured a little bit from... From you know all kind of the loans that he's been on now, he seems to have come back a little bit more of a I don't want to say sensible player, but a little bit more of a mature player as well. And the other two, as I mentioned, obviously been very impressive. Billy Gilmore in sort of his cameos that he's shown. Um, and the last one really is is, is Fikayo Tomori. I think you know the 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 trust that he's built up with Lampard and Morris from his time at Derby has sort of carried over in terms of his confidence in a Chelsea shirt. I think that he has a particularly high ceiling. I love the fact that he. Is, is very eerily reminiscent of, of William Gallas in terms of his style. And, and if he gets to being, you know, 50% of what Gallas was as a player, he'll be a Chelsea centre-back for the next 10 years. So I'm very interested to see sort of Tomori's, uh, Tomori's growth under Lampard um, over the, sort of the next, you know, couple of seasons. But yeah, I think for me, just reiterating, I think Batshuayi is the one that I've been impressed with. Just his, his work rate, his effort, his willingness to shoot, just his, his overall kind of, I think, performances have been, have been very positive because... I think we probably all agree that coming into the season, the lack of goals or the lack of obvious goals has been one of the biggest concerns. And I think hopefully Batshuayi can, can alleviate some of, uh, some of what we've lost with Eden Hazard going. Now, that makes a ton of sense. And, 
you know, I think so. You know, we've heard a couple names now. Um, you know, Gilmore's uh, Mount. I know that those two are also on your list, Mike. But you, you were you were there with Nick, and you were also there throwing some love for uh, for the French forehead. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> I, I would agree with everything that Joe has to say about Batshuayi, with the exception of his uh, inability to finish, and that scares me. And I think that. Um, as a person and as a player, he brings an excitement and he has a personality and he's hungry. Um, but for a team, we had so many times last year where we hit, we hit the post or we were unable to finish. So I, I do think he adds some ability to, um, <clears throat> you know, smash the ball into the net where at times we were looking to pass. I just, I felt like he should have had he should have had a couple goals you know it's should not have had gonna, a hat trick yesterday uh, i would agree yeah i mean it's not going to get any easier than against you know st patrick's so i would love to see from a confidence point of view i mean i thought he was very very unlucky that that shot that he basically had bounced once and he kind of hit it with the outside of his his uh, right toe and the keeper just somehow got his hands on it but overall i expect you know, I put Giroud on my list because Giroud did what bats could not do, and that's finish, and that's what we need um, up top. So uh, I'm I'm praying that Bachelor will will pay off, but I'm very con- I'm very concerned that this is just the typical preseason hype. And Dan, if you're in case you're keeping score, even St. Patrick's goalkeeper will stand on their head against Chelsea, and that streak continues. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> Unbelievable stuff, really. Uh, you, you can always count on that effect. It's uh, we, we are absolutely the catalyst <laughs> for inspiring goalkeepers to play just out of their mind. Um, so, Seb, look, you know, you also had Gilmore in there. You had Mount. You had Mishi. Uh, any of those in particular you want to wax a little bit more poetic about? No, I'm, I'm going to join Joe because uh, Batshuayi as a shoot on sight striker is always good to to have up top because uh, Chelsea always had a good season when striker didn't think twice about uh, shooting a goal. Maybe Mount, because uh, I fell in love with football with Frank Lampard, of course, and um, he's the closest at three months of, uh, of Lampard because he can run, he can score, he can get in the box, he can pass, he can... Uh, he's never the burden for, 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 for his team because uh, he's going to work hard of the ball, he's, he's going to be versatile as well. So maybe he's uh, um, maybe a throwback to a young Frank Lampard. So... Is going to be really good to to see Mason Mount uh, this season. Whoa! Yeah, uh, co sign on that. I I think the the Mount train and the Mount uh, bandwagon is uh, is loading up right now. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, though there'll be seats on it until the start of the season, and then at that point, you can't claim that you were there at the uh, yeah. <laughs> at the ground floor of it. <laughs> Uh, all right, so that kind of gives us ours, and uh, you know, just for those keeping track at home, I had Mishi, Mount, and Gilmore in mine as well. Uh, you know, I think Mishi looks super hungry, and I'm excited for him to link up with Pulisic again because uh, you know, a little familiarity there and uh, opportunity for Mishi to hopefully feast in the Premier League this season. So now we have some downs, some some people who <laughs> disappointed us maybe, or we were. Less than thrilled, uh, Nick, in what they had to offer on the pitch. And I, I know you prefaced maybe a few who maybe didn't disappointed you. Did, did, what's what's the word? I, what's the word to describe how you feel? Yeah, I don't think down necessarily means like disappointed. I just mean, like, you know, for me, if we're keeping track of these things like stocks, uh, they just didn't impress me, right? It's not something that I would I would buy right now. So uh, first on my list is Bakayoko um, for the second week in a row here, uh, or second match review in a row. 
I I just don't see it. And you know, if if it's best, like Joe said, to uh, to amicably part ways, um, you know, I really thought coming into this preseason that he would have the opportunity and and the hunger to impress everybody. And uh, yikes, man! I think I think he got outshined by Billy Gilmore and Mason Mount pretty easily uh, in this exercise. I know they don't play the exact same position uh, as each other, but. If you're only going to take six or seven midfielders, uh, Bakayoko does not look like he's going to be one of them, and, and neither will uh, one Daniel Drinkwater. So um, you kind of count those out right now. Um, next up, I, I personally haven't seen enough from Zuma, uh, and I know that Joe has uh, inspired me to maybe think about this a little differently, but uh, in this game, I didn't think he was necessarily... Um, special uh, by any means. So I might be being a little harsh there. That's fine. Uh, you can at me at Nick Verlaney. Um, and then the third one uh, is is probably a carryover from last year. But I, you know, I just don't see the Alonzo left back exper- experiment working uh, under Frank. So um, yeah, compared to what I saw from Emerson, uh, I, I just don't think there's that natural fluidity and uh, certainly the athleticism that's needed. So those are my three. Um, just not impressed. Well, again, they are probably crying themselves to sleep after they hear this. Correct. That, uh, Nick Verlaney has not rated them for a <laughs> potentially second straight match. Um, you know, we'll have to send them a care package. Uh, so, <laughs> so Mike, you, you went with a little bit of a different approach. You, again, took this as an opportunity to be creative, <laughs> yeah. and uh, we'll let the audience determine how successful they think you are in that approach. As always, uh, I think my number one down or disappointment is uh, Reese James needing surgery. Um, I think we would have all loved to see him tearing it up uh, on this preseason tour. And unfortunately, we, you know, with William being injured and Conte's knee still having problems, um, we are dealing with some injuries that uh, will definitely impact a season in which we don't have a transfer window. So that just sucks. Um, I would agree with the Bakioko. Not much to be said unless you know, basically he played like a man who was walking out the door. So, uh, and then well, he did a lot of walking, <laughs> Mike. There was a lot of walking involved. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. My 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 last one is Christensen, and not because he's necessarily played poorly, but I think that he's kind of on the losing end of you know a resurgent Zuma and potentially Tamori, and you know you've got Louise and you know, and Rudiger coming back, I just feel like he's falling down on the depth chart. And I know that will hurt Dan a little bit inside, but um, I think it's just unfortunate. So hopefully he has some massive breakouts and, and can, you know, pick it up from here. And I, mean, I guess it's a, uh, it's a good point too, is that we, you know, we, we talked a, a little bit in, in, you know, the initial episode talking about how, you know, there's a, a depth chart, right. For most positions. And, you know, with, you know, Joe kind of putting the flag on the ground with Zuma being the the top one there. You know, he, someone's going to, have to be at the bottom, and Christensen does not look like his stock is rising uh, at this point of the moment. I, I I don't think you would agree with that. Or you, I think you would agree with that, Joe. Yeah, I would. Yeah, um, I think the, the more that I've I've watched Christensen at Chelsea, and I think it, it's become apparent that he is very much a confidence player. But I think also as well that that season that he had being sort of the central back in a in a back three, I think that maybe that's his ideal position going forward. Um, there's always been a little bit of a question about his physicality as a centre back, and you know, for all the people that 
that want to talk about it. It's like that's a, that's some sort of big Brexit opinion that you know the people in the Premier League have to be a bit physical. It's it's the nature of the position. You know, you even look at what Guardiola's done at City. You know, he's not playing a five foot five Javier Mascherano at centre back. He's got you know, Imeric Laporte a tank, and you know he's gone out and bought massive centre halves, and he plays big centre back. So. You know, it, it's a kind of it's a kind of a nature or it's sort of a fact of the position that you have to have some physicality about you. And I think in the two, even though he did end the season sort of better than what we've seen, I think I'm I'm less sort of I I, I suppose I'm, I've bought into him less as a as a guy in the two than I have in the three. So I would agree that he's he's potentially sliding down the the kind of chart. And I think again, you know, we've we've seen him coming back, and even maybe Tomori's athleticism. You know, I think that that. Is something that, that can't be overlooked is just how athletic Tamori is as a player. That recovery speed, that aggression, that physical presence that he has may also have, have, have kind of bumped him above um, Christensen in, in the minds of, of Lampard and Morris because, you know, Tamori has been partnering or did partner David Luiz, who I would expect also to be one of the starters as well. So interesting to see what happens with Christensen. I think, again, you know, to the right team, I think he's got a lot, lot of resale value and I think he's got a lot of value as a player. You just question whether, you know, at the moment, playing week in, week out as a two or as part of a two in the Premier League, does he have the, the physical tools? Does he have that physical presence to be a, a sort of dominant defender? Because, you know, he, he's in sort of that kind of classy sort of sweeper mould. But when I compare him to someone like Ricardo Cavallo, Cavallo was a lot bigger, a lot more physical, a lot more aggressive. So, you know, it, it's it's whether he's, I don't, I don't want to say the word too nice, but that in that kind of ballpark of, of where he's going to sort of fit into the the sort of Chelsea hierarchy. Well, that gives us, you know, what's interesting though is even out of that, you know, he did not land on your your three maybe stock down watches nope. here. So you uh you you went a little bit of a different route. I think the more traditional names people might expect after the uh, the two performances that some of these players have put in. Yeah, I mean, I've, I went with drink Walker. Uh, drink, God, drink Walker. God, um, drink water. <laughs> Like Skywalker? Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. He, he's nowhere near Luke Skywalker. Drinkwalker. Um, yeah, so Danny Drinkwater, Bakayoko and Alonso. Um, I, I saw a photo of Drinkwater. I don't know if it was the ground or training that he left. You know, he wasn't injured. I, I just think that, that he's, his time is done at Chelsea. And it's, it's quite nice, actually, for, for sort of millennial Chelsea fans that have grown up with Chelsea being a great team. They've, got their, they've kind of got their own sort of Winston Bogard now with Danny Drinkwater. You know, someone who has who's not playing at all in the squad, someone who, do, who seems to be you know, surplus to requirements, who is on a very, very significant contract. And it seems like it's impossible to, to move him on at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I don't think necessarily it's, it's on him as a, uh, you know, as a player. Um, I think he's, he's useful. I think he would have been potentially useful at times last season. But it feels like now that you know, the direction the club's going in, maybe sort of using some of these, let's say, uh, second string positions, in terms of sort of the, the depth chart with younger players that drink water is set for us to requirements. Bakayoko, I think we've, we've already touched upon. I, I think his his head has been out the door for some time at Chelsea. And I think the, the sooner that that situation is, is resolved for all parties, the better. And I, I agree on, on the Alonso comments as well. You know, I've, I've never been a huge fan of him as a traditional left back. I, I don't think that he has the, the mobility to, to really sort of make that position his own. And, and as we're seeing now already with with Lampard's use of fullbacks, he he expects them to be quite box to box in terms of how they play, and you know one of the most infuriating things about Alonso that I think we've we've spoken about often on on this podcast at least is is sometimes when Chelsea lose the ball in transition, you just see him walking back. You know he's getting overtaken by Pedro Williams running past him. You know everyone in midfield is running past him as he sort of pre you know ambles back to his position. So 
I don't think that that necessarily is going to fly. And it'll be interesting to see, actually, as the summer progresses, there was obviously interest in him from Spain. Whether Chelsea are confident in, in terms of Palmieri as being the number one and maybe having Azpilicueta as the number two, that they could, they could probably get a fairly decent fee for Alonso and, and, you know, get him off the books. But, you know, he did just sign that big contract. He's on a very big wage. I doubt he's, he's going to see that sort of money again in his career. So, you know, it's another one of those that maybe Chelsea have, have kind of, uh, you know, kind of really handicapped themselves with, with the contract that they've, they've given to Alonso. Same with Drinkwater in terms of trying to offload him. Maybe the same with Bakayoko as well. Um, but it'd be interesting to see where he, uh, where he eventually ends up because I can't see him being first choice in Lampard's system. I mean, Lampard played with one of the best left-backs that's ever played in world football in terms of Ashley Cole. So I imagine his sort of benchmark for what he wants as a fullback is is pretty high. And I don't think Alonso even even gets near that. So for for me, again, another player who potentially benefits from a from a move as well as Chelsea. All right. Well, I think those are uh, strong words. We will pass along those notes to as many people as we can at the bridge to try to make some of that action happen. <laughs> um, even though people have tried, uh, maybe this will be the moment that pushes it over the edge. So uh, there are some similarities here to the other list in yours, um, Seb, at least with Bakayoko, but you had two others that were not on anybody else's list and uh, very interested to hear your comments about those two. Yeah, so uh, it's not a surprise, but I, I put Jorginho because I think... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's a fairly decent player, but... Uh, uh, so far on the Frank Lampard, uh, he has only feature for, for one half of football, but uh, um, maybe one of the, the reasons uh, Lampard went with the diamond uh, was that uh, it's the only position Jorginho can play. So maybe I'm ready to change my mind if uh, Lampard's playing in a, in a two in the next games in preseason. Maybe he can work out uh, in a two, but uh, I'm not so sure he's going to be much better than he was at Napoli when he was playing in a two. Uh, that's why he was playing in a, in a three at the base of midfield after that. So, um, of course, it, it was a, a first uh, first preseason outing. So uh, let's not judge him on, on that. But uh, um, I just want to know if um, Lampard doesn't see him as a fit midfielder for a midfield two. Uh, if he does, I think he's going to be all right. He can he can run, he can pass, he can tackle, he can do a lot of things. Maybe nothing great uh, or standing out. But uh, he's a decent player overall. Uh, but if Lampard doesn't see him uh, as a, a player capable to play in the two, he's going to be a big concern. And uh, I don't think uh, he's going to have a big future in, at Chelsea if, uh, if Lampard can't, uh, can't fit him in the two. And the last one is, uh, is Zappa Costa because uh, um, it's, really, it's really weird to see Chelsea relying on players. Uh, we know it's uh, the business model of Chelsea to, to learn players years out and um, but we have to, to question the fact that uh, uh, they spent 25 million on a player who is uh, good at running up and down but uh, who's got an, a decent early cross cross but uh, uh, is not offering a lot and um, maybe in the future for sure um, Chelsea is going to look uh, inside the club for for players to 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 be part of the rotation because it's always hard because you can't have players who are not ready to play first in football to sit on the bench for a whole season. Uh, but if you think of someone like uh, Rhys James, maybe at one point he's going to be considered as a uh, as the next Chelsea fullback, or at least as a backup, uh, maybe like when Bridge was uh, um, a decade ago. But uh, uh, at one point, uh, Chelsea 
won't be able to to keep spending a lot of money on backups and we'll have to consider uh, players at the club um, especially coming through the academy and uh, more importantly find the right balance between uh, having enough uh, good starters and uh, filling the gaps with academy players because if you play only academy players or or too much at a time it's uh, detrimental for the team and for the players themselves so so yeah he didn't have a great performance <laughs> he gave the ball away deeply uh, a couple of times so the less we see him the better because I think like Alonso is a is a pure pure wing back uh, and I don't think he can function well enough in a, in a back four that's uh, some good thoughts and obviously it just makes the whole thing with Olaena going off yeah. and a permanent yeah. deal yeah. Yeah. such a disappointment the you know obviously the rise of Reese James coming in and being an exciting player that people are really looking forward to watch even though he's still out injured at the moment just recovering from his surgery but there's definitely some interesting depth there that we could look to take advantage of because I think you know what we saw last season is Aspilicueta's pace is a little bit uh, suspect at this moment and even though his you know one-on-one defending is still exceptionally high which has covered him in many moments it would be great to have a little bit more of an explosive player on the right wing, uh, right side at some point, I would think. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, my, my list, very similar to most, Bakioko, Lonzo, and Drinkwater, just you know, three individuals who uh, at some point will probably need to find uh, a new locker, uh, not at Stamford Bridge, um, <laughs> if, if all things go according to plan. Uh, we want to do one quick thing, though, before we kind of get out of here, and uh, Frank today mentioned that uh, our very own, or or at least for the three of us who are the U.S. citizens, uh, Christian Pulisic is joining up with the squad in Japan. Um, Maybe just an opportunity for those who maybe don't watch the U.S. men's national team or, you know, haven't followed him maybe as closely. Um, You know, what is maybe your kind of understanding of him, Seb, and like where where are you looking forward to seeing Christian play in the uh, in the coming preseason games and this coming season? Yeah, I think Pulisic maybe is going to feature more the, on the right because uh, that's where he used to play. And uh, if we are going to play a lot with a target man up front, uh, we are going to have players running beyond him. So maybe as a right winger, is going to be better at that. And um, I also think that um, now Hazard is gone. Um, William is going to take the left uh, wing spot because uh, it has always uh, gone under the radar that um, William has been playing on the right, but uh, initially he's a, he's a left winger as well. So I, I would be surprised to see Lampard going with Polisic on the left um, to cut inside and shoot and score. Um, I think the priority will go to William and uh, maybe on the right have a player who is more capable to to get to the byline and put cross and um, Pulisic, maybe the, 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 the right winger um, we lacked in terms of uh, taking on defenders, uh, putting cross, and uh, after that, maybe Otsunadoi, if he's, uh, he's signing up, of course, um, maybe he can be the, the other right winger. But uh, I think we are going to have um, William on the left and Pulisic on the right. Joe, is that line up with what you think is going to uh, happen when we actually get into the start of the season? Yeah, I think so as well. Um... For me, the important part is that he is willingly sort of cutting short his his holiday that he's having to join the team up in. I think he'll he'll be there in Tokyo to sort of join the team up first of all. And again, I think Lampard's comments about him uh, are also very positive. Um, 
Now, this is a guy who I think he's still 20, has got an exceptional amount of experience at, at Dortmund and, and also obviously with the, the US uh, national team as well. I think that he will offer, you know, we, we know that he's an exceptional athlete. He's, he's come from a system that's, that's basically uh, made, for, made for pressing and winning the ball back high. So I think he'll have a lot of the traits that Lampard is, is looking for. Um, I think that the one thing for me would be that I think for someone who is so obviously talented, I, I want to see the, the output, you know, in terms of goals and assists now match the, the, the potential there. And yes, he's 20, you know, he's obviously still got plenty of time to sort of work on that part of his game. But I think for somebody who's got so much experience, I, I would love to see him you know, hitting sort of 10 league goals next season, maybe 15 goals in all competitions, because he definitely has the talent, you know. And, and we've, we've seen, you know, if you look at sort of Liverpool's front three, just how, how dangerous having, you know, incredibly sort of pacey options up front is, both in terms of us countering, but also just in terms of our, our attack in general. So the more that the, the kind of the, the sort of transfers sort of washed over me, I think the happier that I am with, with the deal. And I think actually, you know, if, if his work ethic which I'm sure will carry over to the Premier League, is, is something that, that's there. And then, you know, you're looking at sort of potentially Lampard and Co to sort of increase his, his output in terms of his assists and maybe just his, his decision-making in the final third. Then, you know, he could be a, a super piece of business. And, you know, that, that right-wing spot looks, looks sort of tailor-made for him to sort of come in and take over. So, yeah, you know, I think uh, his attitude already is, is something that will be a huge positive for, for Chelsea. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does when he meets up with the squad in, uh, in Japan. What, what do you think a successful output is for his first season? Like, do you have a, a mark that you would like to hit from a combined goals and assists total, like all comps? I think that for me, at least, uh, sort of in terms of like, let's say, a wide forward or a wide playmaker, um, you know, 10 goals, 10 assists, 20, 20 goal contributions overall. I think, although maybe, you know, you look at his, his career, I mean, I'm also thinking Chelsea will play 50, 60 games, you know, in, in, and he'll probably feature in most of them. So, you know, ten goals, ten assists for for someone of his talent, I don't think is is hugely out of the, the realms of the possibilities. So, you know, twenty, let's say between fifteen and twenty goal contributions, I'd be very, very happy with that. Well, that that was kind of the the level that we were looking at too, Joe, because you know we were we we're kind of comparing him to you know William and Pedro's outputs over the last few years, and you know I think if he in the league has seven goals and seven assists, he would kind of match or better what Williams averages have been because Williams been more, I, I think impactful in cup competitions than he has in the league. So I would be, I would be hopeful that, that he could reach a 10 and 10 mark, um, not easily, but, but with, with some room to spare and, and maybe go a little bit above that. But, you know, I think where I want to caution people is that we're, you know, the, the 50, you know, goal contribution, you know, Eden Hazard season or whatever, or whatever being, part of 50% of our, our total goals is is not exactly where I would put the expectation on, on Pulisic year one. Well, that is a uh, important thing to temper expectations appropriately. And I think the last thing we want to discuss, because I know Joe threw it in here before we get out of here, is some of the changes in the academy, obviously with Joe Edwards jumping up to join the first team coaching staff. It meant there were going to be some domino vacancies and appointments and found out today that Andy Myers is going to be taking uh, charge of the development team. And then uh, Brand is going to be taking over the U18. So, Joe, why don't you give us some of your thoughts and share a little bit of your feelings on this appointment and kind of structural change? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm very fortunate that I've been able to, to meet Andy Myers in a coaching capacity when he was working at Vitesse. And 
the the general takeaway from there was that he he sort of completely revolutionised their entire training program when he went over there. Um, brought in a lot of stuff that, that you'll see in the Chelsea Academy and actually sort of really sort of changed the way that they that they went about their business. And it's quite interesting to think, you know, we we always sort of tend to see Dutch clubs as kind of the you know sort of the main thing. Um, you know, if we're looking at sort of football development over the years, but but Myers went there and really sort of had a huge impact on, on their day to day. Um, I think from from what I've been told that he's he's a very very diligent coach. And I think he'll do very well with the with the under 23s. Um, Ed Brown, another Chelsea Academy player who sort of come up through the system. Um, I think one of the interesting things that people talk about is obviously Chelsea's development of players, but we also develop a lot of decent coaches as well. You know, Steve Clark, Steve um, and Steve Holland have, have gone on to to international stuff. You know, Brendan Rodgers obviously has, has managed Celtic, Liverpool, etc. There's a lot of people that have also come through our kind of coaching carousel as well um so i mean that's gonna be interesting the, the one thing for me which i think will be very very uh let's say i don't know quite quite a significant part of, of the coaching is uh, james simmons who's moving up i think from the 16s to take to be the assistant of the under 18s now james simmons was the the manager or the coach of chelsea's under 16 group which i think probably probably fair to say at the club that they, they've They've not been as excited about a group that's come through the academy for a very long time. This 16s team has got some incredibly exceptional talent in, and I know James has, has kind of worked with them through the age groups, and a lot of these guys now will be be looking at sort of getting into the FA Youth Cup side and, and looking to make an impact at the under-18 level. So I think there's some nice continuity with, with him moving up to be the assistant to Ed. Um, another one of these incredibly talented, forward-thinking sort of young English coaches that we're developing at the club. And hopefully, I mean, I think if, if the under-16s is a reflection of him as a coach, then that, that is a, a super talented and, you know, very, very bright young person who's going to be sort of helping to, to shape the, the under-18 side over the next couple of maybe years or, or however, however long it is that he's in that position for. So, you know, again, I think it's, it's positive for the, the academy that we're sort of seeing these promotions come from within, that we're not sort of going for external hires. I think Myers will be great with the, with the development squad and the under-19s. And likewise, I think Ed Round and, and James Simmons will be will be super um, coaches for the for this you know really really talented group of, of young players. And you know you've got uh, Tino Andrian, who who is for me potentially another candidate in the next few years to become part of Chelsea's midfield. Miles Pot Harris, James um, Simmons is is very very high on him as well as a player. Um, Lewis Bate in midfield. There's a number of young kids coming through now that. That have the potential to, to go on and, and maybe even top some of the, the super groups that we've seen previously, that sort of 2014-15 academy side that, that swept everyone before them in the UEFA uh, Youth League. You know, I think that they're, they're, at least the theme within the club is that they, they may have a group that's as strong or stronger than that. So it's going to be really interesting to watch the under-18s next season, particularly with these coaching um, adjustments. And yeah, you know, it's just a, another real positive for the academy that they have this ability to keep the continuity Within the uh, within sort of that development thread, but yeah, super super well deserved, particularly for Andy Myers, who again is an ex Chelsea player from the nineties, um, really has 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 done the graft and, and sort of the the due diligence in terms of his coaching career. So I'm very very happy for him, but I think overall, you know, it's a really positive direction for for Chelsea to go in. And you know, James Simmons and maybe maybe a little bit more so than Ed Brown. I, I don't want to do Ed a disservice because he's been an assistant for a long time, but I think James Simmons is is a little bit more on the Joe Edwards track where he's He's one to keep an eye on for the future. Oh, again, Chelsea, not just making players, but making managers and coaches uh, across the 
from from within too, which I think is the exciting thing. Is it's not always just a someone that we brought in who then gets to kind of absorb Chelsea and get into the DNA. These are people who started as players or were in the academy set up themselves. So they have such a different perspective on it and a different kind of attention and desire to want to be successful and to have an understanding of what this club means from their young playing days to now their time as a coach, which I think is maybe, I I guess, would you say, Joe, is that structurally different than what you've seen in the way that other clubs work in terms of their academy setup? Yeah, I I think there's definitely, there seems to be more of an emphasis on Chelsea's academy, at least from from Neil Buff downwards, to sort of bring in um, kind of ex-players who have obviously shown a a keenness or willingness to coach and and to sort of develop themselves in that aspect. It's very interesting to to see a lot of... uh, young Chelsea Academy graduates who maybe don't have the professional career that, that you know, maybe they would have wanted. I'm, I'm thinking about Joe Woodbitt in particular. You know, it was a, was a very good academy player, but maybe didn't have the, the professional career that he would have hoped. That those, that those people sort of come back into the setup very early on. We, we had a, a, like a, a football idol or pop idol equivalent ages ago. I think the, kid, the guy's name was Sam Hurrell. I think he won the show. And it, it, this, this must have been 10, 15 years ago now. Um, to get a contract with Chelsea's academy, and he—I don't think he did much in terms of his playing career. He might have played semi-pro for a bit, but even he is back at the club working as a as an academy coach now. So, you know, there's a real desire to sort of keep "quote unquote" Chelsea people at the club. Um, you know, Tori, Andre, Flo, Paolo Ferreira, even Hilario is now sort of obviously the first team goalkeeping coach at a slightly more significant level. But this sort of desire to keep these people around, particularly players who've got a bit more of a link to Chelsea's. Chelsea's past, I'm looking more sort of at Andy Myers here in the 90s, you know, sort of understood where Chelsea have come from pre-Abramovich. I think that's also a really interesting uh, sort of uh, link to to sort of the, the past and the future as well. So, but, you know, I, I look at sort of, you know, Manchester City's academy and a lot, a lot more of them just have people who are academy coaches, etc. But we seem to have a willingness to bring people in, develop with them, give them the the tools, the time, the, the the support to then go and become, you know, sort of first-rate coaches. And, you know, it, it's great for people like Joe Edwards who, you know, started coaching at a really young age. I mean, there are some photos that I think uh, Chelsea Youth was, was throwing around where Joe, Ed, Joe Edwards looks about 14, you know, in terms of his <laughs> his face, you know, looking after some of these academy players. So to see that sort of, that continuity and, and that sort of camaraderie and understanding of the academy and the process in Chelsea... You know, I think it's super important. I think you know it's it's one of the reasons why the academy is so successful is that this this sort of culture that they've created and sort of cultivated through the years from from appointing ex Chelsea players or people that have got a close connection with Chelsea. I think it is one of the strengths of the, of the system, and you know it probably something that I, I would imagine is is being copied elsewhere or has been copied elsewhere since Chelsea's kind of rise to being sort of a European powerhouse. All right. Well, we are very, very excited about what the Academy is going to do for the club, what the managers and coaches coming out of the Academy into the first team or into the U23s or into the U18 structurally means for hopefully global football domination of all things Chelsea in the coming season. But we're going to wrap these episodes up and thank uh, both Joe as a returning guest and Seb. Thank you so much for your uh, your inaugural appearance and I think maybe even first podcast appearance ever. No, no, no. I, I used to do a bit of, a few podcasts on uh, on Philly Index at the time. I hope my my English wasn't too bad, but uh, it was a nice nice moment. Thanks for the no thank. Thank you so much for joining us, Joe. Thank you again, as always. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's been good fun, as always. All right. And uh, Mike and Nick, you know, it's always great talking to you. (laughs) 
Yeah, thanks. We're we're ch- we're, we're chop liver <laughs> yeah. over here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, with that said and that out of the way, you know what to do, Chelsea fans. Until next time, keep the blue flag flying high.